Let's turn back in our Bibles to Ephesians for the study this morning. We have noticed over the past few months interspersed with our studies from Revelation. I don't think I've preached on Revelation for over a month now, but we're getting there. We're at chapter 20 of that one, but looking interspersed in that we've been looking at new life. We've looked at the start of new life. We've looked at the seed of new life, the word of God. We've looked at the source of new life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his finished work on the cross of Calvary, dying in our place, in our stead for our sin. And we've looked at the start of new life there last time we looked at this series. This morning, we look at the seal of new life, the seal of new life. Any official document of value usually has a stamp or a seal of authority upon it. Um, I've only ever had one of those, and it was a will that we'd made up. And I meant to get there, drag it out this morning, the old envelope that we broke the seal because we changed the will. When the will was made out, we didn't have any children, so we had to update that significantly. <laughs> and... Um, Put a new thing, new seal, and give it to the solicitors or wherever. Tell me this morning, when I thought about it, when I was looking for it, where is it? <laughs> Have you ever had that thought? Is it at the solicitors? Is it at the bank? Is it in my filing cabinet? <laughs> and you start th hunting around for it, and eventually, what solicitors, what is it at? And uh, same with the titles of the church. We didn't lose them. We were just secured at a solicitor's, and what solicitor was it? But those things have a seal upon them, don't they? And it's, it was in, I remember, red wax, and it had a thing from the solicitor's place punched, punched on it. So once the seal was broken, somebody had tampered with it. Now, <clears throat> this is to do with business. This is to do with life that, and things that happen in the commercial world. For a person to be or an authentic Christian... He also must have the seal that we're going to speak about this morning upon his life. For without that seal, we're not one of his. The Bible explicitly tells us this. And this is what Paul is talking about in the passages that we'll consider this morning. The one that was read this morning in the reading is the centre one. We have one before that and one after. The, one, the first one we find in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. This seal is a symbol of ownership and security. Are you owned by God? <laughs> Have you been sealed by God? That's the important thing about this life. Because if we're not, we're not going to go to heaven. It won't be talking to Peter at the pearly gates that'll get you in. It'll be the blood of Christ and the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's pray before we look at these verses. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you that we have this knowledge been handed down without error to us today from the times of the apostles. Lord, this is true. This is the true testimony of God. May we take heed to it today. 
And I pray that if we do not understand and know that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, we have his stamp upon us, that would make sure of that today by personal faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we do pray and bring before you those that aren't well and those that are facing an operation in the near future this week indeed. Lord, be with them and Lord, may they be strengthened spiritually and physically. May you give wisdom to the doctors and surgeons that take care of the needs. We thank you, Lord, that we live in a day when we can have these things done. Yesteryear, these things couldn't be done and would be in pain continually. And thank you for that. And I pray that you'd give these wis wisdom to these doctors and surgeons. Lord, we pray your blessing on the word as it is preached and open today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. <clears throat> if you have a bulletin, we, the, uh, the outline is in the bulletin for the message this morning. You can follow along and maybe share with those that may not have that. We first of all notice the seal of new life is the possession of the Holy Spirit in personal experience. For this miracle of the Holy Spirit to be in us, for it to take place in personal experience, a person must first of all hear the word of the gospel. In chapter 1 and verse 13 of Ephesians, in whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So a person must hear the word of the Lord. God has ordained that the gospel should be preached throughout the world. Remember the great commission that's given in Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing people that believe in his name. And we are commissioned to do that in the book of Corinthians. It tells Christians that we've been given the word or message of reconciliation, reconciling sinners to God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given that ministry. We are to go out and tell people. Well, what is the gospel? First Corinthians tells us pretty plainly what the gospel is in chapter 15 and the first few verses of that chapter. Let me read them to you. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and in which ye stand, by which ye are also saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul received this message. It was that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. There it is. The death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the core of the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? You have to first of all believe and know that you're a sinner. Uh, how can you be rescued if you don't see that you need rescuing? <laughs> and so we are born sinners, the Bible tells us. That we're all born sinners. And we need to come and be confronted with the word of God, with the gospel, that we're sinners that need to be saved in order to go to heaven. A person must hear 
Have your children heard the gospel? Have you heard the gospel? Maybe we can recall the time when we heard the gospel, if we're Christians. You know, you can be brought up in a Christian home and you can hear it over and over and over again, but you, you don't get it. But one day you hear it and you understand it. And you say, I am a sinner. I'm lost. Some as young as four can understand this. I was 12, a bit slower. <laughs> but, but hearing the gospel over and over again, we need to hear it. We need to preach it. We have Sunday school. We have youth groups. We have ministries for the purpose of letting young people know we have church. This is what it's about, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, that he shed his blood as a perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins, and that we can have heaven for eternity at the expense of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. In the book of Romans, also, it speaks about sharing the gospel message far and wide. It tells us in chapter 10 and verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, the seal of the Holy Spirit is given to us. He enters our life. He enters our being and is there for the rest of the rest of our life, if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved from our sin. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody needs to preach. And that can mean Sunday school teacher, youth leader, camp leader, <laughs> preacher, evangelist individual as we go out with the word of the Lord that we have in our own hearts how shall they preach except they be sent that's why we send missionaries out that's why we uh, ordain pastors men into the ministry they are sent they are sent by the church through the Holy Spirit directing of course and it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. These are glad tidings that we hear through the preaching of the gospel. So a person must hear the word of the gospel to be sealed by the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit present in their life, as Ephesians 1.13 tells us. Every Christian should be a witness so that everybody can hear the good news of the gospel, but the sorry story is that as a lot of people have not heard. Some of your family members may not have heard that they are sinners and need salvation and that salvation is through Jesus Christ only. Jesus Christ is the... Jesus said, I am the, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's, it's an exclusive way. And Jesus Christ is the one that has been raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for those that believe. So hear the word. Not only must we hear the word of the gospel, we must heed the Lord of the gospel. In the last part of verse 13, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed. After ye believed, ye were sealed. That seal of the Spirit of God was placed upon your life. 
The implication is clear here. It's not sufficient just to hear and understand with your head. You must what? Believe and receive. Heed the gospel. Obey the gospel. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 8 it reads, In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must obey when we hear the gospel. And Brother Tony was sharing in the adult class this morning about reprobates. Those people who have heard, given a mental assent to the gospel, but do not heed the message and take it to heart. It's a dangerous place to be. Because God's speaking and knocking on our heart's door, and we are saying no to God, and he keeps knocking at our heart's door, as it were, for entry and for him to seal us, and we say, no, 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 there's a, there's a limited amount of times, and only the Lord knows what that is. Do not put God off when he speaks to your heart. Heed the message of the gospel. Over in the book of Hebrews, it tells us of the Jewish people as they were in the wilderness. They'd seen the miracles of God, ten plagues upon Egypt to bring Egypt, really decimate Egypt, and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then they got into the wilderness. And many of them, even though they had seen the miracles of God, hardened their hearts. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we read in verse 1 and 2, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. In other words, we hear the gospel as they heard the message, and then we come short of believing the truth, heeding the message. For unto us was the gospel preached, it tells us in verse 2, as well as unto them in the wilderness. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. We need to mix what we hear with faith and heed the message. Believe the word of the Lord. And we could go, go over there and speak about the rest that we come into when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. And so there we see the seal of new life is the possession of the Holy Spirit. Do you have, do you have this morning the Holy Spirit abiding in your heart and life? In fact, in that verse, in chapter 1 and verse 13 of Ephesians, it's in the aorist tense. Now, I've been told, I'm not an English professor, so I've been told when I was in college that in the aorist tense, you know, we have past, present and future in the English. You've got pluperfect and perfect and aorist in the Greek and past, present and future. You've got six tenses, a different way of looking at it. It gives it much more accuracy. And it's in the aorist tense, which means it's a past, completed action with present abiding results so when you believe you heed the message then you are sealed into the christian life and it's for life you can't get unsealed once you've been sealed we believe in eternal security <laughs> and that we're once in christ we're always in him and we can thank the lord for that but we could read it also in Hebrews 6, verse 4 and 6, but time forbids us. Let's go to the second point. The seal of the, of the new life 
is the position of the Holy Spirit in personal experience. Chapter 4 and verse 30. We read there in chapter 4 of Ephesians verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So the seal of new life is the position of the Holy Spirit in personal experience. A simple way of putting it to you is, is the Holy Spirit in the driving seat? Has he got the steering wheel of your life? Do you let him have control in your life? This is what it's saying, grieving not the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a person who can be grieved and hurt, living within the believing person. The purpose of his presence in us is to purify us, purify our, purify our lives until we become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus 2.14 we read, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem from us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. His purpose in sealing us is to make us like his son, the Lord Jesus, that we might live holy and godly lives and be a testimony for his glory. This work will be completed on the day of redemption, according to Romans 8.23. And not only they, that is the creation, but ourselves, Christians also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of our body. That work that God started when we believed, we heard, we heeded, we believed, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, that work will be completed one day in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed to have an immortal body and to be able to live in the presence of God for eternity. We must avoid grieving the Spirit of God in the meantime. Once you're a Christian and have the Spirit of God, He's in you for good, <laughs> we can grieve Him. What it means, if we go back in Ephesians chapter 4 to verse 27, what does it mean there when it says, neither give place to the devil? That's pretty serious business, isn't it? Christians giving place to the devil? Well, look at verse 23, how we can give place to the devil. We who are Christians and sealed by the Spirit of God, you know, we can still sin. We make that choice, but we grieve God's Holy Spirit who is in us. In verse 25 it says, Wherefore putting away, what? Lying. If we lie, we grieve the Spirit of God. Telling untruths. Verse 26, what, do there, we, what there do we find? Be ye angry and sin not. Being angry and going on to sin through that anger that we have. Lose our tempers, we say. Chuck a wobbly or whatever. <laughs> Being angry. Verse 31, what does it say in that verse? Let all bitterness, a bitterness of spirit that's giving place to the devil. And we are grieving the Spirit of God when we do these things. Verse 28, let him that stole, steal no more. Yeah, this is practical Christian living, isn't it? <laughs> when we used to steal 
And that can be from the supermarket, that can be from our boss, that can be from the government, that can be from many places we can steal. We can, we can steal even from our wife or our husband, from our children. There's a lot of ways in which we can steal. Let him that steals steal no more. Verse 29, another way to grieve the Spirit of God. Let no corrupt communication. That's lying, swearing, saying things we ought not to. We grieve the Holy Spirit. In summary, we could say anything that is contrary to God's holy nature grieves the Spirit of God. You know, you know what it is to be grieved. And someone or something grieves you, you're upset about it. And the Holy Spirit inside of us that has sealed us can be grieved. And so his position in our life is that he can be grieved or he can be pleased with our living. And he's right within us. What it means to give place to the Spirit on the other side of the coin, we could say. Chapter 4 and verse 25. Putting away lying. That's what we do if we're Christians. We are honest with our neighbours. We are to love one another as Jesus told us to. Even when we don't feel like it. I like what Romans tells us in about chapter 15. As much as lieth in you, (laughs) live peaceably with all men. And what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us about loving one another. Love is the one that's a priority as far as the Lord is concerned. And that pleases the Holy Spirit. And giving place to the Spirit of God as he urges us. You see, you don't have some... (laughs) some voice audibly speaking to you saying do this and do that but you have your conscience you have the holy spirit within you and as you think through the word of god he brings to our minds the things that we ought to be or ought not to be doing one way we're grieving the spirit one way we're pleasing the spirit how is it in your christian life are you having victory are you saved (laughs) Is there any conscience when you do wrong that you've done wrong? If there's not, if you can keep on doing wrong and not feel the bite of the Holy Spirit in your heart, something's wrong. Something doesn't add up. Is the Spirit even there? And for people that call themselves Christians, if we haven't got that consciousness of his presence, and of his conviction, we, are, we ought to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. And so we need to give place to the spirit, but don't give place to the devil, the flesh. You could read it in, Ephes- in Galatians chapter 5. The, the, con- the contrast is given there, walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And these are contrary the one to the other. Christians walk in the spirit. <clears throat> Are you filled with the Spirit of God? You see, when we get saved, we're, we're given the Holy Spirit as a seal. But as Christians, and if you go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, we read, And be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We're indwelt when we get saved, and we're infilled when we are walking sanctified lives. The two are different. 
Don't confuse the two. <laughs> the indwelling is a once only when we believe and heed the gospel message. The infilling of the Spirit is something that happens on our obedience to the Word of God as Christians. And that can be constant, that can be every day. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life for the Lord's glory. Thirdly, that verse, verse 18 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, the seal of new life is the provision of the Holy Spirit in personal experience. If God's Holy Spirit is both acknowledged and obeyed, the first two points, we're up to the third now, if he is acknowledged and obeyed in our lives, certain things follow which are described to us in this passage of chapter 5 and chapter 6. First of all, <clears throat> a new melody comes into our lives in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 5. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. If you are infilled with the Holy Spirit, then you go your way like the Ethiopian eunuch did when he got saved, rejoicing. And tunes of the Lord will occupy your heart and mind on the walk of life. Who finds themselves singing, even if you don't, if you, even if you can't come up here and sing, but who finds themselves singing on their merry way? I mean, in their Christian walk. Do you find yourself singing? Do you find hymns come to mind and you can't get them out of there? They're not songs of the world. They're songs of the Lord that people have written in ages past and even some in the present. And these tunes just are there and you're not even thinking about them. And if you stop and think, what is it saying? <laughs> you see, this is what it says. The, the infilled, the Christian filled with the Holy Spirit will be doing. A new melody comes into our lives. It won't be the old songs of the world. It'll be the new songs of eternity. I heard of a, a film that's been put out, The Song Keepers. <laughs> and it's about Aboriginal folk from Central Australia that were taught by Lutherans years ago, 150 years ago, the old songs, the old hymns from the Lutheran missionaries that came out and went to Central Australia. And they went recently back to Germany, to Germany and sung the old hymns. <laughs> but boy, could they sing without music. <laughs> and I couldn't understand because they sung in Aboriginal language. And the Germans were singing their language and I could sing in English because I knew the tune. <laughs> but, you know, singing and making a melody in our hearts to the Lord is an indication that God's Holy Spirit is there. Is that happening to you? <laughs> or are, are the old songs of the old life and the old world, you know, as you listen to those or hear them on the radio, they're all about sin, about sex, about broken relationships and everything like that. That's what the world has to sing about. They don't have glory. They don't have heaven to look forward to. Christians do. We've got something to sing about. It is interesting as you think back to the hymns that we sing in our hymn book, a lot of them were put together between 1700 and 1800 is it 18 and 19 whatever that works out to be that's 200 years a picture of the philadelphian church in the book of revelation that were on fire with an open door to the world with the gospel 
that they got those hymns put together. One of the songs that these song keepers sung, the commentator was saying, was put together in 400 AD. And it was written in Greek. That's how old it was, one of the songs. But still going then. I don't know what it was. I might be recommending the wrong thing. But it was an old, old hymn that they were, one of the songs they were singing. Praise God for those people that have the gift and ability to put those things together poetically and the songs that we can sing. A new melody comes into our lives. Secondly, a, a new harmony comes into our lives. Chapter 5 and verse 20, 21 in Ephesians. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The whole congregation will love and be loved among its members. There will be harmony in the fellowship. There will be harmony in the home. There will be harmony in the business. A new harmony comes when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and his presence there and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Disharmony comes when we're either not saved, we're not sealed, we haven't heeded the message of the gospel or we're Christians that are walking out of fellowship with God and we're not filled with the Spirit of God. That's where disharmony comes into our lives. We're not going as we should be. You see, God who created us knows us well. He knows us inside out and he knows how we will function best. And that's having the Spirit of God in our hearts, being indwelt by the Spirit and being infilled by the Spirit and having these provisions, being able to sing in our hearts unto the Lord and have the harmony, the melody and the harmony in our lives. How is it going in your relationships with other people? Sweeter and stronger as the days go by or are they more divided? If we are filled by the Holy Spirit, thirdly, a new victory comes into our lives. Chapter 6 and verse 10 of the book of Ephesians, we read there, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. <laughs> We find in spite of all of hell's forces that are arrayed against us, we have an offensive and defensive armour that we put on and it follows in verse 11 to 17. A new victory comes into our lives. Folks, we are living in pretty wicked times. Things are getting worse, not progressively getting better. And we need the victory. I was sharing with Jill on the way home when we were coming home the other day. You know, the devil's working overtime. He's working full time, 24 hours a day. He's trying to stop the Christians being victorious and trying to drag the world down into sin, into sordidness and the wickedness that's happening everywhere. Christians are the light bearers and we bear that light through the, the spirit that's within as we shine brightly for him and we live differently to those that are not Christians. A new victory comes and we have that through the Lord being present and putting on the whole armour of God. And fourthly, a new liberty comes into our lives. Verse 20 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that in this I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I, sa I said a new liberty comes and when, then we read about him being in bonds. Paul's imprisoned because of his faith. But that didn't stop the message going out, did it? Because Paul said that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
if we are indwelt by the Spirit of God, it is, it is our duty, if we're Christians, to speak boldly, not brashly, but boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ to the unsaved world. They need what we have. And if we're living with the fullness of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, people will want to know, what have you got that I don't have that gives you the victory in dire circumstances? What is it that keeps you ticking? What is it that gives you a song in your mouth and heart daily? It is the presence of the Lord through his Spirit in our lives. And people should notice and will notice. So remember that the seal is a person, the Holy Spirit. We must therefore know by experience his possession in us, his position, not giving place to the devil, but giving place to him, and his provision, having us rejoice in these four different ways we've just mentioned. If we call ourselves Christians and haven't got that victory and haven't got that knowledge, Romans tells us that we're not saved. We're not a Christian. If God's word is not important to you, if songs are not in your heart being sung, in your heart and mind, you're not saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and thou shalt be saved. Trust him. It's eternity. This is eternity we're talking about. Not just for life now, but saved and sealed for eternity. Won't you believe on the Lord Jesus? That he died for your sins as we celebrated earlier. He was buried, but he rose three days later. And is now in heaven, waiting for that time when he'll be told by his father, go and get your bride, the church. Bring him to heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word, the sealing of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, Lord. And may we know it in the daily experience of our lives. May, we, may it not be just something we talk about, but we know because we love the word. We love the people of God. We love to talk about eternity. We know the Spirit talks to us through the word and we sing the songs of Zion the songs of eternity. O oh Lord, for the ones that may not be saved, young or old today, may they believe, may they recognize their sinners and need salvation and come to the cross and have eternal life. Not joining the church, not getting baptized. None of these work things believe what has been done, what Jesus did for them, and become your children. May they do that today by believing where they're sitting at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.